Hi, are you a gifted or twice exceptional adult who feels a bit stuck in your journey? Do you have goals and dreams which you would love to achieve, but you don't know where to start or feel a little bit overwhelmed? Or maybe you have a thousand ideas, 500 projects, and get distracted by your own thoughts and would love some support on focus and accountability? Whatever gets you stuck, I wholeheartedly believe that gifted and twice exceptional specific coaching will help you unleash your power so that you can be your most authentic gifted self. I recently embarked on my journey on becoming a gifted and twice exceptional coach. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, please reach out via email at hello at giftedunleashed.com or you can find more information about my coaching offers on the website giftedunleashed.com forward slash coaching. I would love working with you and I would love to get you unstuck. So please reach out and let's get started. Hello and welcome to Unleash Monday, where we talk about the brain, especially the gifted brain, and how does it affect our thinking and experience of the world differently. There are a lot of stereotypes and stigma around giftedness, and I'm here to challenge those. I'm here to raise awareness and to have a conversation around this topic of what does it mean to be a gifted adult. Common experience among gifted folks is that they feel out of place. They don't quite fit in. They are too sensitive, too intense, too emotional, too overexcitable, and too deep thinkers about the world and about themselves. So if you have been called too much of about anything, then this show is for you. My name is Nadia. I'm too loud, too colorful, too bubbly, too bossy, and I love to talk too much. So welcome to my world, and I'm so happy you are here. Hello and happy Monday. I'm so excited you're here and found another episode of my podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it so far. And before we dive in, I just want to say I appreciate you. I really am so happy that my show resonates with so many people. And please reach out. I'm happy to receive emails or wherever you find me on social media. It might take me a little bit longer sometimes to answer you, but I do really appreciate all the messages I received. The best way is to email me at hello at unleashmonday.com and I'm happy to hear from you. So today I invited Cliff Wicktail to the show and he will share what he has been doing and his life as a gifted person and you will hear like he's also a multi-potentialite you can hear like he's doing all the things and so much more so we actually got just to a small portion of what he's doing today but I hope you enjoy this and yeah I don't want to say too much Cliff is going to share his own story in his own words And we will mention a few names and he will also refer to his research article and I will put everything in the show notes. So you just go and look at the show notes. There's all the links and the download for the PDF. So it's all there. So without further ado, here's Cliff. Welcome, Cliff. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So another person working and living in the gifted space and every person I think working in this field does have a personal story. Otherwise, I think we don't really get into this topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Do you want to share yours for the listeners to have a little bit of connection to who you are? Sure. Well, I, I am gifted. I'm in the highly gifted range, depending on where one 
slices and dices that. But I, I always knew I was like kind of smart, but I didn't really know how smart it wasn't something my parents talked with me about. And I think that's always sort of the bind that parents have, you know, well, if we tell the kid how smart they are, then they're going to think they're all that. And meanwhile, it doesn't matter, you know, if, if they have to play sports or something, then, oh, well, we don't we don't mind telling them how great their arm is when they have to throw a, a ball or if they have to, you know, run down the field, how, how fast they are. We don't mind telling them that. But anyway, I'm getting beside the point. But yeah, I, I, I knew I was smart. And I think it was sort of in the back of my mind, well, what's going on with this? And so I took an IQ test when I was in college. And that put me in the highly gifted range. And so I, th I think a couple of things happened there. One, I knew I wanted to understand more about what that meant because it wasn't something that really shows up in the popular culture all that much. Like it's something that occasionally, I, I don't know what it's like in Europe, but in America, you'll occasionally see a story about, oh, this young Einstein can join Mensa at an extremely early age or they graduate from college. And meanwhile, that, that's at the very high end of that range. You know, you're talking about profoundly gifted kids when you talk about how, you know, graduating from college at the age of, you know, anything earlier than 18, that's very, very bright. But I, so it was something that wasn't really talked about in the popular culture. And there wasn't sort of like, there was a lot of myths and a lot of stereotypes about how kids who are gifted pan out, how their life is going to go. And but really, there wasn't too much research into this, except, as you say, by people who themselves are gifted. And so there's sort of this tendency to research ourselves and, and figure out what we're all about and all the biases that come along with that. Mm. So that's always uh, that's always an issue. But that's sort of how I got started. So in addition to that, I got interested in assessment. So I've been working in the assessment industry for the last 10 years. And that's just one of the many hats that I wear and try to, or things that I'm trying to juggle at once. I don't, I guess people don't juggle hats, but you get the idea. <laughs> but as a kid, you were not identified or placed in special programs or fast tracked or. Yeah, there wasn't, they didn't. The thing about fast tracking is that it doesn't happen very often in America, although it used to. Abraham Lincoln, I believe, graduated early. And so there used to be this just natural tendency. Well, if the kid is, you know, smart enough, let's go ahead and place them in a later grade or at the very least give them if they have a subject specific gift, then they can be accelerated, for example, in math or in English or whatever the case may be. I was given enrichment programs when I was in about fourth grade, I say, third or fourth grade. And that was fine. I, I have something of a professional bias against that. I'm like, well, are you just giving them more of the same kind of thing? And it's great to inspire that kind of passion. And there's a whole lot of nuance you need to get into when you're speaking about giftedness. But no, I wasn't skipped ahead. I did get a, some enrichment classes and I did go to a gifted and talented school. And that was the start of a, another research interest that I have, not quite as strong, but of mental illness and disorders, because that's when I first came to have depression. And a close family member of mine also had, you know, had that at an early age. So I think it tends to run in the family. But getting back to your question, no, I didn't, I didn't really get that sort of what I would call a good intervention. There was I think it's a lot of nibbling around the edges. So you knew there was something, you were smarter. It wasn't like this huge aha moment in college. But 
let's talk about a little bit about giftedness as a difference and also that giftedness is not always just a gift and <laughs> that I think there is some stereotypes out there that oh if you're so smart you're you're going to succeed and your life is going to be easy and you're going to figure it all out and you must be happy. And <laughs> no? Yeah. If only it were that simple, right? <laughs> yeah. There is that sort of idea. Well, you know, that, that it's exactly like you say, right? So, oh, well, everything will just, you, everywhere you walk, there will be flowers coming up in the path ahead and, and everything will be wonderful. No, it's, and and even if you say, well, you're smart, and if you work hard, you know, that's that's a whole other thing. That's not always true either. So one of the things I've discovered in my research is the the tendency, at least in terms of, well, I'll I'll just I know I'm gonna jump around here, but one of the things I found with one of my research papers that I did was a follow-up study of Lita Hollingworth's children above 180 IQ, Stanford Binet. Now that was the nuance I want to put on there is that you're talking about people who were identified at about the highly gifted range, a little bit higher than the typical cutoff. But one of the things I found about those kids is that they wound up overestimating how much their intelligence would contribute to their ultimate outcomes in life. So there's a little bit of this sense that, oh, well, if I'm gifted and I'm, I'm so much smarter than the norm, then therefore everything should be okay. But you think about what it takes to be successful. Yes, you need intelligence, sure. But it really depends on what field you're going into, a lot of who you know, a lot of being able to overcome things that would just, you know, be devastating to almost anybody if that happens to you in your life. And then also, of course, getting into the thing that will make you successful and just so many different factors. And so people always tend to overestimate, well, you're gifted and so that should be it. Well, if you're gifted and you have, let's say, a mental disorder, and let's say you grew up in an abusive household, and let's say, now not all these apply to me, of course, but, oh, and let's say you were, perhaps you were impoverished, but you're going to have a totally different mindset about what success is, what that looks like, and how you ought to orient your life. And so I think that's one of the things that it's like, ugh, you know, I mean, I think we, we tend to do okay for ourselves, but I think that's a problem. So getting to that question about difference, when it comes to difference, I think the issue with giftedness is, is that the elevator pitch I always give to folks is, look, if you're gifted, you are in this world, maybe not even knowing how much different, how much different your perspective is, how much more insightful it is, how much more you can see, how much more you can articulate. And so the problem is, is that one of the things that uh, Jennifer Harvey Salon talks about is how you tend not to have people mirroring your own tendency. So if, for example, you're around your age peers as a child growing up, and then you are much more articulate than they are, then they're going to give you a stone cold or a blank expression and they won't understand. They'll be, they'll say, what are you talking about? Or I don't understand. And that idea of not being understood over and over again, it can lead to these narratives such as, well, I'm not understood. Or maybe you think you're crazy, right? Because, oh, I'm seeing things that other people aren't seeing it. Maybe something's wrong with me. And that's a logical conclusion to come to if you have so few people who are able to speak back to you in a way that affirms what you're seeing can sort of maybe talk about it in a, in a more interested capacity. So the problem with that is that that's as a kid, 
And then that gets compounded over and over again every day that you go on through your life. And so I think there tends to be more introversion among gifted adults. And I think that's one of the reasons why is not so much that they may not be naturally outgoing, but that they just are so used to people not getting it. So they get into this why bother mode. <laughs> Having a weird sense of humor that not always gets understood as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have learned to dial back my sense of humor a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah. And then, as you mentioned, it's so hard finding people that mirror this back and there is an importance of finding peers. And once you know that you're gifted, or even sometimes you don't know you're gifted and you don't know mm -hmm. why you're not being mirrored back. And I think that's where my story comes in or my podcast, where I really want to create this sense of awareness for gifted adults and also people that never thought they're actually you know, yes. gifted. <laughs> comes yes. quite as a shock. But then once you know that you then actually seek intellectual peers and not just just say topic peers or peers in the same industry or yeah 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 that's that's very important i mean i i envy you in a lot of ways because it's like okay now now everything's like clicking into place it's like you were going through the world with you know like horses wear blinders you know on the sides of their eyes so they can't see to the left or right and and then all of a sudden oh you know that's it's a great moment to be in for you. So it's great. Been, it's been great listening to your podcast for that. But yeah, I think I think it is important to at least make an effort. I've belonged to Mensa for the last 20 years. And I've also belonged to the International Society for Philosophical Inquiry, which is not to say I'm speaking on behalf of either of those organizations right now. But the thing is, is that you you're going to find all types no matter where you go. And there's there's always that issue about people who, you know, want to join an organization, let's say, because, oh, that will make their egos feel better and, and they'll feel validated. But there's that fine line between feeling validated and getting your ego puffed up, right? And so, oh, I'm the best person in the world and feeling arrogant. But that's not really been my experience. I mean, there are occasional people like that. But guess what? You get those people regardless of where you go in life. And they're just like in normal life, they are the minority. For the most part, find find your tribe, as they say, and try to find people who can at least do that. I think that's important. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. I mean, look how long it takes to just find out, you know, some basic information, some basic knowledge about giftedness. Whereas, you know, more conditions that are considered clinical, for example, or just, well, I'll just call them conditions. So I don't put a, a stigma on that. But for example, ADHD and autism and bipolar, which I have, it's all of these different conditions that we have a whole language that we can use to talk about it. And we know what to do when you have somebody who has this condition or that condition. But for giftedness, it's almost as if there's this stigma and this I think the reason for that is that society is very ambivalent about gifts. You know, it's like, what can this person see that I can't see? And if they can see all this stuff, then I think there's this unconscious like fear that, oh, this person can see this stuff. So maybe I ought to be really careful around them because I, I can't let my guard down or they or I'm, I know I'm monologuing at length here. But what I would say is that one of the things that society seems to have like tried to do, or maybe it's just capitalism, I don't know, 
but it's sort of taken us into this space where if you don't produce or we want, we're just going to see you as this person who can give us extra special goodies that we never would have thought of before. Like, you know, there's always the talk about a cure for cancer or maybe sending somebody to Mars, but really, how about you just give us a new iPhone? You know, how about you do something like that? Can you give us, can you give us this new thing that will make my life so much more awesome and cool? And then by the way, all these existential questions that you have, we don't really care about those. Let's just, let's just set those aside. We're not going to meet you on your terms as a gifted individual. We want you as a gifted individual to give us stuff and then we'll be, we'll be okay with you. We'll, we'll let the fact that you're gifted and you see things differently slide. So we talked, we started out just talking about the individual or individual paths, but then we realized, okay, families and then ultimately society has set things up where there's a reason, there's some kind of cultural, social wall against us figuring out who we are and what we're about. And my job, my goal in life is to, among other things, try to tear down that wall. Do you think then, is it, let me phrase this. I know <laughs> I have it in my head. It needs to come up. I understand what you're saying that, you know, society wants the gifts or one part of us to create awesome things, but then the weirdness, you know, keep that to yourself. But is it also up to us to share like our weirdness and say, this is part of us kind of educate people who we are and what we need? Because I don't think I've heard people really openly say gifted or these are my needs as a gifted person. And I think maybe also the unidentified gifted, they don't even know that it is due to their giftedness that they have different needs. And that's some of the causes for their problems in interactions. And when you said, you know, want to go to Mars. I, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and that person came out recently said, you know, I have autism on the Asperger's spectrum. Mm -hmm. But the person, I would say clearly is also gifted, but nobody talks about him being gifted. They just say that, oh, he has Asperger's. That's not why he's weird. Mm, yeah. So I think right now we're at an interesting point. I mean, I've, I've been kind of looking at this, you know, as a matter of intense and ultimately now professional interest for a while. I think that we as let's start with the gifted individuals and then we'll work our way out. So right now, I think it's more important that a gifted individual finds out who they are. And part of the way they can do that is by getting into networks such as intergifted, or perhaps joining a society, whatever the case may be, so that we can hear each other's stories. And we can at least get a, a glimpse into somebody else's insight and somebody else's experience of having that perspective. Because I think that's, that's, the, first, that, that's the first step. I think uh, people like Maggie Brown are really starting to finally open up these doors and, and get actual academic research into the experience of gifted adults. And so I think that's important. As far as getting society on board, you know, it took a long time for, and it, I'm not going to say that the two 
things are comparable because some groups have been subject to violence, let's say, whereas gifted individuals tend not to be unless they cross the authorities in a really big way. But I, I still think this idea of, well, here's me and my gifted needs, that's still going to come across really much like, oh, well, you know, hey, I'm smart and and everything's easy for me, but I also have these needs. That's that's how it's going to be heard among other people. I think what needs to happen with groups maybe like Mensa, maybe like, you know, Intergifting is, is definitely doing much more than its part and its fair share in terms of getting these ideas about, okay, here are some needs that we have. Here's what it's like to have just the trauma of being gifted itself and not being mirrored. Now, that is that a high-grade sort of trauma? Well, it depends, right? It depends on how the child is raised and the sorts of support that they're given to experience themselves in their fullness. But I think that, I think it's it's a long road. I think it's it's tough, you know, and how do you change that conversation? Well, I think as long as our conversations to each other start filtering down and filtering out, that's part of the the step there. But I think some of the larger organizations are still kind of scared to do that. And I would probably say Mensa and the NAGC, for example, are two organizations that they're trying, but are they kind of doing it the way I would like? Well, you know, I don't want to be too critical, but I would say no. <laughs> not not exactly. Let's talk about your research paper. Do you want sure. to say a little bit more? You mentioned a little bit before that there were these children that were tested with an IQ of 180 yes. back so, in the days and you did a follow-up. Back in the days, <laughs> I did a follow-up, yeah. So <laughs> so 180, just, just so everybody knows, nowadays the IQ tests are standardized such that there's you know a standard deviation, which can just more or less be thought of like a typical amount of a deviation, which is to say, how much do people typically deviate from the norm? So do they deviate by however many points? So, you know, if you were to take, you know, what's often considered used as a cutoff score for giftedness, of let's say 130, then that would mean that you have an IQ that's roughly in the top 2% of the population, because that fits the bell curve, that fits two standard deviations above the mean, other IQ societies have three standard deviations, which is one in a thousand, and there are even higher cutoff scores that you could have for that that get more and more difficult to measure for what it's worth. So all that being said, 180, that sounds like one in a million. Well, it would be one in a million if it were actually, you know, there was good, decent norming, let's say. It was one of the very first IQ tests to come to America so it's called the Stanford Binet because it was translated by Lewis Terman, who was at Stanford University and originally taken from Alfred Binet, the French edition of that. So the issue is, is that at some points, I actually did a deep dive into the, you know, what the deviation was. And at different ages, you know, you get a deviation of, let's say, 22 points. It was supposed to be at 16 points, but this was also it didn't take age into account as well as what we do nowadays, let's put it that way. So all of this being said, I actually did a bit of a, a reverse engineering of those scores, assuming that the assumptions that they had, they using kind of an outdated idea of a chronological age versus a mental age, which is where that idea of a quotient comes from. That's not something that the Wexlers use anymore, by the way. There may be age equivalents, but that's not part of the FSIQ score, just so everybody's clear on that. But anyway, I did a, sort of a back translation to say, well, 
what would the deviation IQ be? You know, what, what kind of percentile would that be? And I found it was about one in 2000, which is a cutoff score, which is still very high, but it's not one in a million, <laughs> which is not to say that the people who took that did not often exceed that by a great amount. So you're looking at, you know, very highly gifted to profoundly gifted children. So when I, and I was not the only author on this, my co-author is uh, Will White, but I was the lead author. And it was interesting because there were only 12 kids and Lita Hollingworth, who has been studied by, for example, Linda Silverman, who knows a lot about her and her approach, but she, Lita Hollingworth was, I pretty much consider her and Lewis Terman to be the two, the, the mother and father, as it were, of gifted education. And she especially really studied the highly gifted very well. And what she found was she found these kids and she did just kind of this whole background. And what she had originally intended was to do a longitudinal study. Unfortunately, she died in 1939. And of course, the kids that she was studying, they were born in like, let's say the teens. And not by, by, by that, I don't mean the 20 teens. I mean the 19 teens of the last century and up through, let's say, about the 1930s. It was, I think believe that was the oldest one or the youngest of those. So I decided to do, uh, now back in her day, they were, she was a little less careful about uh, personally identifying information. So I was actually able to, you know, through using online sources to actually identify all 12 of them. One of them I did not uh, give, I think I just, it was like too late in the process to reach out and ask if she wished to be identified. And the same thing with another one, I think of whose daughter gave some information about her mother's life. But what I found was that their IQ actually did play a role in them later going on to become eminent. Will and I identified three of them who you could say definitely became eminent. But as we were talking earlier about this idea of, well, it not only is there the issue of, okay, if you're gifted, everything should just come easily to you. And, you know, it should all be, you should have no problem reaching success. There's also in the case of somebody who's that profoundly gifted, the idea that their success should be much greater than what you would expect from anybody else's level of success. So to give you a quick example, one of them, I think of the university was Drexel, but it's in the paper. It's You can find it online. It's on ResearchGate. She was actually an assistant vice president of that university in the 80s and 90s, I want to say, like late 80s, early 90s. And now, you know, for a woman back in those days to reach such a high position and to sit on so many boards, which she did, you would say, this is great. This is fantastic. This is kind of what I would be impressed for anybody to do, regardless of how bright they were. But she considered herself a failure. And that's, yeah, it's very sad that she, despite having done so much and given so much back to the people around her and to reach, you know, definitely a high position. And she was very well respected by all accounts that I could find. She still felt that she was a failure. And it's it made me, it, A, it made me sad. So please, people, cut yourself a break. If you're gifted and you're listening to this, please do not think that you need to invent, you know, some kind of faster than light, you know, hyperdrive that can take us, you know, to the distant stars so we can get a colonization program going. Please just, just dial it back a little bit. You don't have to be perfect. And you also don't have to be amazing. Just be yourself. Just start there. 
before you even think about like start on this like narrow sense of, of who you are, what it means to be you. And then only after you've gone through that process, will you realize what it means to be successful to you? And will you take into account that you aren't just this mind? It's sort of like you can, I mentioned perspective at the beginning. If you have such a profound perspective, you also need to have some kind of perspective on limitations. And we all wish that, it, you know, just mentally we could just will them away. And, you know, if you're very bright, that's a, it's a very, you know, tempting, a very seductive thing that can happen is, oh, I can just, you know, I'll just figure a way around this. And it's like, that's not going to happen, you know, not for most things. So try to try to set a decent degree of expectations. But and that's not to end. And of course, out of those 12, only only three of them became eminent. And it took a lot of sacrifice and it took a lot of help and a lot of things going right at the right time at the right place. So that's, that's, that's kind of the main takeaway I had. And of course, there were a lot of social factors as well. It was much harder on the women in the study, for example, but there were a whole lot of the conclusions that I could get into. And it's just, I, I could talk about it at length, but I, you know, I don't want to uh, spend too much time on it, which other than to say that, yes, you can succeed, but you know, it's, it's okay to just be you. And I think I found that it was, but it was a pleasure. It was, it was a real honor to be able to do that because that was her original intent was to do a longitudinal study. And I got to at least put something of a bookmark on the other end of their lives. Wow. And I felt you were like speaking directly to me. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thank you for saying what you, what you just said. And before we close, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything you wish people know or people knew? Or is there anything you wish you knew earlier? Yeah, so that I, I guess what I would say is it's okay to be you. And it's okay to have your interests. Doesn't mean you get to be a big meaning to everybody around you. What you're going through is it may not be typical, but it is normal because it's normal to you. And so don't, don't feel bad if that's, if that's, uh, it's like, oh, this is all new. I don't know what to do. You know, it's, it's okay. You're not the only one who's done it. You know, reach out to, to whatever network that may be to whatever, whoever think can, you think might be able to help you. If you think you might need therapy, get therapy. It's okay. You know, why should, why should, you know, this is one aspect of your mind. You know, I, I, I'll self-disclose, you know, I have bipolar disorder. I go to therapy. It's okay. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. It's just a part of who you are. And if there are issues that you need to deal with, I would recommend, you know, trying to find if you can, I got very lucky with my current therapist who is also gifted. So she can, she can roll with me when I go on these long (laughs) rambles. So try to find somebody who's, who can match you for what you're going through. But if you need coaching, get coaching. If you need to find peers, you know, try to reach out and find peers. And it's okay if you need to do it more than once. Don't overlearn from one experience. That would be my big thing is that because I've seen, like I say, I've been in Mensa for over 20 years. I've seen all kinds of people and it's okay to not like certain people who are also happen to be smart. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also okay to like people who are smart for reasons other than, you know, or just maybe only related to their intelligence. And you just 
mentioned getting a coach. Do you also want to share a little bit about your business as a coach? Sure, so sure. you're also I've, a little bit of multi-potentialite, I think. Oh, yeah. I, things. I, I can't even I can't even begin to tell you. Yeah. So so one of the things I do, it, it's still part-time. I'm I'm you know very happy at my job at Pearson right now, but I also offer some coaching services. So like I say, there's a distinction between coaching and therapy. And if you're interested in coaching and I say, and I've referred to clients, you know, two out of two of my clients, I say, you know, I think what you're talking about is more of a therapeutic issue than a coaching issue. But, you know, I'll talk with you about that and we'll go over, you know, what my expectations are and stuff like that. But yeah, walking through, let's say a gifted identity if this is the first time you've heard about it or you've recently been diagnosed or if you've recently remembered that you were identified as gifted or maybe maybe it depending on what country you're from they identify you as just quirky because they don't want it they don't even want to use that g word anymore you know you even mentioned that that's the reason why you named your podcast unleash monday because it's trying to get around that stigma of giftedness but yeah if if any of those things apply to you and you think that you might need a coach you know i am i am now added to the list of nadia's uh, coaches who have appeared on her podcast so check us all out you may not like me and that's okay i won't take it personally <laughs> but you might just find your amazing coach in you, you so might. You yeah might. And where can people find you if they want yes. to reach out? Yeah, so my website for coaching is yourlightbridge.com. And that's Y-O-U-R, not Y-O-U-R-E, because some people misspell it, and that's okay. And if you want to find me on Twitter, I talk about this and all other kinds of stuff, probably a lot less about giftedness than people might like. But I'm just there as a, my handle is Cliff Wigtill. And if you want to see me in person, I will actually be speaking at the Mensa World Gathering on something completely unrelated to giftedness, but I will be there. And you know, I've been I've been vaccinated, so I won't be the person who got you sick if that, if that's <laughs> if you're worried about that. But you know, if you can make it and if it's safe for you, you can do that. But even safer is you know just looking me up online. Thank you so much. And we put all the links in the show notes so people can just click and find you. So Excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Cliff, for sharing all your insight and for being here with us today. I learned a lot. Thank you. Sure. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye. What an amazing conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Talking to Cliff was really a pleasure. And I'm so amazed what amazing human beings I'm meeting along this path. And I'm so happy and grateful that you are on this journey with me. So if you have any questions, remarks, or anything related to what you hear on this podcast, please, please, please reach out and share your thoughts. You can send me an email at hello at unleashmonday.com. You find me on my website at unleashmonday.com. And you can also leave a comment there, which also automatically goes to my email inbox. Obviously, I'm also on social media, but that's really, I think, the best way to directly contact me. And I also would like to point out that if you do like this podcast, then please rate and review on Apple Podcasts because this really elevates the algorithm and it helps other people discover this show. If they're searching for keywords or if it goes higher in the ratings, then it will be shown to a wider audience. So that's really 
My little ask for you will be to go on Apple Podcasts, click the stars. I hope you give me five. And then you can scroll all the way to the bottom and then leave a written review. Thank you so much. And it really means a lot. And I really love reading those comments. It does mean a lot because this is really why I'm doing this. Like, I don't get paid doing this podcast. I'm really doing this for you because I just feel there is a need to talk about this topic of giftedness, especially in adults. So that's why I'm doing this. And I also want to point out that everything we mentioned in the show, I put the links in the show notes so you can just click and you can find all the resources. And as a side note, Cliff was mentioning therapy, coaching, mentoring, and obviously I do have a very smart audience and I don't want to over-explain things because you guys are smart. So there's a balance for me to say like, okay, how much do I explain? How much do people know? And I think I'm just going to go and ahead and take myself as the standard, even though <laughs> what is normal gifted, <laughs> right? There's no such thing. So that's why I'm saying like, I'm just going to go ahead and take myself as the basis. And a couple of years ago, uh, I didn't know what coaching was. Uh, it was only in 2017 when I did a management school program that I came into contact with coaching. And one of the program heads actually explained the difference between coaching and therapy very well. And I would like to share that with you in case you don't really understand the difference in therapy and coaching. And again, I'm neither a coach, I'm neither a therapist. So that's why um, do your own extended research (laughs) if you would like to have a little bit more uh, on the topic. But so in essence, a therapist is looking with you, like what happened in your past and where do you have things that you need to work through through your past so in order to have a better experience in the present, right? So you're kind of working through the past and overcoming what has happened in the past. Whereas a coach basically is in the here and now looking at who you are today, what are you equipped with, what are your today's circumstances, and then taking all of this and moving you to the future where you want to go next, like really getting from point A to the next step B, taking into account who you are today. So basically, that's how I understand the difference. So the therapist is more working backwards and the coach is then taking status quo, working with what you got to the next step, right? And there is overlap and you can work with both. You can work with a therapist and a coach. And then a mentor is probably similar to a coach, but a coach will never tell you, like a good coach will never tell you what to do. A good coach will guide you by asking you the right questions to basically tickle out your own answers, which are inside of you, will guide you to find and uncover your own answers. However, a mentor might be somebody that's just a little bit ahead of you. It doesn't need to be the expert. It can be, you know, when you're, um, let's, let's say you're learning a language. It can be just somebody that's one step ahead and that person went through the same process and you can just ask that person like, oh, how did you do this? How did you get to that point? And that person can also give you a little 
nudge of like saying like, oh, if I were in your shoes, like this is what I would be doing and also give you some guidance. So there's also some overlaps with a coach. But so just so you know, there's different types for different needs and you might need one, you need be two, you might be all of them and that's okay. It's your journey and take it one step at a time. Like we're in no rush. You don't need to solve everything by tomorrow. I know once you get into the topic, you have this need of like, I want to know it all and I want to have it figured out, but you got some time. So take your time, take a breath and tomorrow is another day. And I will be back here in two weeks with another amazing interview with another amazing guest to inspire you and to give you a little bit of insight of what it means to be gifted or twice exceptional. So have a wonderful week and I see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.